1: Now, get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562 314 4603 for details.
3: Suicide is something that affects all of us, and we can all play a part in saving lives. Make a difference in your community by walking out of the darkness with us on Saturday, October 22nd at Arena Green West. Help spread awareness and understanding. Send the message that help is available. And raise funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention.
2: Find a walk near you at AFSP.org slash Walk SF Bay Area. Hi everybody, welcome back to BXB, the Yankees podcast, Bronx Baseball, here from Odyssey, WFAN, along with Keith McPherson, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Keith, it's here, playoff time is here. We got some really fun games and everything over the weekend, but the Yankees playoff run begins Tuesday night against Cleveland. Boy, they had a heck of a series. Uh, How excited are you for uh, for tomorrow night?
4: I woke up energized. I haven't even said that many words yet today, but... uh... My alarm went off at eight o'clock and I was just like, let's go, man. Big week. I enjoyed the weekend that was the wild card weekend. Congrats to Major League Baseball for all the things that they do wrong. I feel like they did that right. And now I'm ready for the team that I ride and die with. I'm ready for the team that I watch that got me into baseball that I go hard for to step into this postseason. And it's going to be fun.
2: Yeah, and um, it was fun to kind of watch Cleveland. We're going to break it down. We've got a sp- couple of special guests here coming up uh, in the next uh, half an hour here. Uh, one in a few minutes, and we'll get you on board, and I'll let you know who they are um, coming up as we go. Uh, we'll get you ready for Yankees and Guardians. It's going to take a while to uh, to get used <laughs> to saying that. Um, one thing I want to you know, – we'll get into some of the different things about the roster and the matchups, but yesterday's big news, Keith, was about, about a role as Chapman. Um, boo, not workout, going home and basically Aaron Moon telling him to stay home um, he was not going to be on the postseason roster and even if he was I think we all knew that he was not going to see important innings when was the last time he saw an important inning to think that he was going to get one now um, I-, I think you had to understand what was happening but this is still a very disappointing move from a guy who has been a part of this team for a long time
4: like is he serious I mean I wanted him strapped to a rocket ship and sent anywhere uh, two years ago. But for him to go out like this, there's a tweet circulating from when he was struggling uh, in 2021. And he said, you know, something along the lines of like, I, I won't give up. I don't know how this story ends, but you won't be able to say I gave up. It's exactly what you did. So goodbye, good riddance. Never want to see you pitch for the New York Yankees again. And I was wondering how this would end. I was I was wondering how it would end. You, they had to take the he had to take the power out of the Yankees' hands. The Yankees probably wanted him on this uh, ALDS roster. They oh, they want I to know. squeeze, they want to squeeze any value they can get out of him, even if they're I don't throwing see. him in there. No, I really, I really <laughs> think he's they him. torture us with watching a <laughs> roll this chapman. They just keep forcing him on us. So he finally stepped out, and I thank him for that. Goodbye, good riddance. I hope to never see you pitch for the Yankees again, and I think that's effective now.
2: In 162 games, uh, at times that are opportune, you look to find your value, but, I mean, there was no value coming again in October. I think we knew that. Here's the disappointing part for me. Uh, Keith. May 17th, the Yankees were in Baltimore. Um, They won the game 5-4. to Aaron Judge hit two home runs. Michael came through three perfect innings. The championship belt that the Yankees give out went to our oldest Chapman that night. I just judge it to homers. King was perfect for three innings. Chapman, who gave up a run in the ninth and had the tying and winning runs on base, second and third, with two outs, got a pop-up from Cedric Mullins to end the game and win the game five to four, just hanging on. Anthony Rizzo and Jose Trevino, who had won the belt the night before, decided that Chapman needed the belt. They needed to make a show to pump him up and give him some confidence. Uh, easily could have been judge. Easily could have been king. And as a team, as a group, they decided, you know, they needed to stick up for their teammate who had been struggling and needed to, you know, needed something. So they stuck up for him at a time when he was down. And I thought he should have at least returned the favor. If he wasn't going to be on this roster, he needed to be here to support his teammates. I thought that was the weak part to me
4: yeah and i thought about that too i'm like not only did you quit on the franchise and the fans you quit on those guys that are in the clubhouse with you that have been for the last few years that you've been a yankee those same guys that suffered defeats at your hands you were the last guy with the ball multiple seasons and you quit on them that's weak i'm like do you not have friends like there's not one solid friend in there but hey these guys operate differently uh he is a money guy. He made a ton of money in Major League baseball. He's going to still make more money. His career is not over. And uh I think he went well, down to his home.
2: This is this is a hard thing to overcome because I saw you're you're right. There's still some value in the arm for teams. There's 30 Major League teams, right? And you know the state of pitching. I will tell you a week ago Yankee Stadium um i was talking to a lot different people and there was somebody from a team who said yeah we'd take him next year you know you give him maybe a couple million guaranteed some incentives and knowing that the state of this team's bullpen um but that was before this latest thing he has a ton of character issues right that we've seen before but you didn't know how like this is being a bad teammate and this is not the kind of chemistry that somebody wants to invite into their clubhouse
4: Yeah, but some, you know, people have already said the Marlins, right? He's already down there. Some I get it. Some lower level team will take a chance on him. But I'm like, okay, now that, you know, to throw this into everything, this isn't going to throw the Yankees off. Sure. like, do you not have one friend that you don't think is going to be affected by this going into this postseason, uh, going into this first round? This kind of throws a wrench, a wrench into the team chemistry. But I think he was already on the outside of the team chemistry. He already was doing his own thing. I've watched him pitch and give it up and not look competitive. Sit in the dugout staring to the stars. I feel like the guy lost his closer job this year and he was checked out. So good riddance. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy actually. When I, when I actually sat down and thought about how it ended. I'm like good. There is no way a Roldis Chapman gets to enter this postseason. That's another thing that makes me feel good about the Yankees.
2: I don't think he was going to see important. If he even if he found his way on the roster, he was the guy coming in, and clearly, a, a situation that didn't mean anything. That game I described to you on May 17th. It was his ninth save of the season. It was his last. Uh, he did not get another save after that. Um and you know and the coaches too. Listen to man how when was the last time you heard the manager or the coach say a bad word about a chapman through all the struggles? These guys stood up for him, and I think that was the um that was the disappointing part for me but he is off the radar now the Yankees try to work through their other bullpen issues to try to figure out how to get through game one here Uh, Keith I've got a perfect game one scenario for you okay Uh, you saw how important starting pitching was to teams that advanced from the wild card round I think it's throwback I think it's back to the future for game one I think it's Garrett Cole for seven, Jonathan Luizaga for two. If you can make that script happen, I think that's the best way for the Yankees to go moving forward here.
4: I just need a Garrett Cole complete game shutout, Nestor Cortez complete (laughs) game shutout.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I didn't see a world that far back. Come on now. Be (laughs) realistic here. No,
4: I don't don't know. What I will say is uh, the Yankees have more than enough to do what they have. Not uh, underestimating the Guardians, but they won that series scoring three runs in 24 innings. So,
2: on home uh, runs, by the way, let's remember, okay? Yeah, and, and a team that doesn't know. hit
4: home runs. I watched that series closely. I was scouting them. I'm like, all right, let's see what Cleveland's got. And, uh, you know, it was, they were early games, they were cold games, but uh, they don't scare me too much. I think uh, one thing that I took from this wild card round you need that long ball in October. And I know a few guys on the New York Thank Yankees you. that can hit it out.
2: Yeah, I mean that's really that's what it's about. I mean, you know, it, it showed in almost every series uh that you saw already how big the home run ball plays, um, and and Cleveland's a big part of it. You know, you're know, trying to keep them. It, it's because they're a contact team, right? And the Rays had a lot of strikeout pitchers working. So did so did Cleveland. I I'm curious how the matchup's going to go, and we'll talk about it a little bit more. But I have let's go back to the rotation. You mentioned Cole Cortez games one and two. Severino was pitching game three. Um, I don't know where it leaves Tyone and Herman. If if you need both of them on the roster, and the roster won't be set until Tuesday, I don't know if you need all five starting pitchers. But um, I feel like that's still the best. I have no arguments with the way they line that up. Cole Cortez Severino is exactly how I would have done it.
4: It's it's what I expected. I know we uh, stirred the pot, or me personally. For over a month, I've been stirring the Nestor Cortez game one starter pot. Like, hey, maybe there's a chance. And uh, we heard so much about how people were lining up their arms for this past weekend. Like, can I, can I speak on that for a second? I know there was strategy. I know there were some teams anticipating being in the DS and lining up, uh, you know, one of their better starters for the DS. But when I looked at this tournament, this three-game series, which you play three-game series in baseball all year. Mm -hmm. You can sweep a series in two games easily. Why don't you line up number one and two, no matter what? Because if you win game one, you're trying to eliminate the team game two with your best two guys. If you lose game one, you're trying to survive and not be eliminated game two. I really didn't see any strategy about planning ahead. You can't plan ahead. You have to win and then you can start planning ahead. So I I love that the Yankees just bypass this wild card. I hate the wild card. I've been the wild card games uh, when it was obviously the single elimination. I'm glad that they get to go into this five game series, and uh, we'll see how they they do. And I think they'll be fine. I feel I feel like with Herman and and Tyone, if those guys are pitching, we're in trouble, right? Those guys I think are the piggyback guys. Those are the two starters that you you bring in if one of the starters were to struggle.
2: Yeah, and Herman can be occupy more of a long relief role, not necessarily the emergency ripcord thing. But um, you know, for the for the Cortez should be starting over Cole Crowd. Um, I, I will just leave you with this. Let's say you lose game one. Who would you feel more confident in starting game two if you lose game one, Cole or Cortez? Uh, Listen, you gave Garrett Cole a lot of money to start games like this, okay? And it's David Cohn talked to me about this uh, during the rain delay uh, a couple weeks ago uh, in the Red Sox game. Is like, listen, you know, this is a guy, the more opportunities you get, the greater the chance you have to be successful and give me, you, know, you, you come here for the opportunities and sometimes you're going, you're, you know, you're not going to succeed, but give him the ball in game one. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. But if you lose game one, by for whatever reason, Cortez in game two is a pretty nice safety uh, safety valve.
4: And it, it's such a switch up, right? You go to the lefty, you go to the low arm slot, the uh, uh, different leg kicks. It's just a, you know, a different plan of attack when you go from Cole to Cortez and hey let's say you you lose the first two which i don't expect then you got Sevy going out there coming off of his no hit bid you got Sevy who's fired up more than ever after being on that 60 day il that's the guy that you're going to ride and die with to uh stave off elimination i i think that's the term i'm i'm happy with how it's it's going to set up we have to survive Garrett Cole in game 1 and i think there's a good chance the yankees will
2: it's listen, it's if there's one hitter for Cole to worry about, it's Jose Ramirez. Uh, Jose Ramirez has done well against him in the past, he's it's clearly the most dangerous hitter in the Cleveland lineup. You saw the long ball in game one of that Tampa Bay series that was the difference maker, uh, for Cleveland in the game one victory. Uh, You know, I hate to say that nobody else worries you because that's the part about October. Sometimes you just don't know who's, you know, Trent Grisham could come up and worry you. Um, Church and Profar. Right. I mean, anybody, right? Um, Oscar Gonzalez. But I feel like Jose Ramirez is the guy that if – you know, it's like Toronto. It's like It was like the game earlier this year where Cole pitched against Toronto. He dominated eight other hitters. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit two home runs against him. Dominated everybody else and it was a pretty good lineup. It's kind of the same thing for me, Keith, against, um, against Cleveland here. He's got to make sure that Jose Ramirez stays in the park, and I think he can get everybody else.
4: Yeah, I think it's about Cole mentally, right? We know what type of stuff he has, but he mentally cannot self-destruct. Right. He mentally can't know that he's facing their MVP, whether it's a Vladdy or a Devers or a Jose Ramirez. He can't, you know, or a Shohei Otani. We've seen all of this. (laughs) We we can't have Garrett Cole, uh, Garrett Cole versus their best guy fold. He can't crumble in the biggest moments. He has to be able to retire those guys. And he also can't let the bottom of the order kill him either. Uh, I think he's got to have the right plan of attack. Uh, I expect it to be him and Trevino. And I think that they'll have mm-hmm. a good game plan. And uh I like fingers crossed. I, I expect him to give up a couple bombs. We saw some aces give up home runs this weekend. Absolutely. It is what it is. Yes. They're not, they're not perfect, and there are good guys in that batter's box with their seasons on the line, too. That's why I say we have to survive it. I will not be surprised if Garrett Cole gives up a couple bombs in Yankee Stadium, but the Yankees will have to hit and overcome it. And we've seen them do that all year. So here we go.
2: Yeah, I think it's an important point about October baseball. You know, home runs play. Home runs are good and they play. Uh, this is, you know, you saw how hard. I mean, just look at that Cleveland Tampa Bay series. You saw how hard it was to put even a couple of singles on the board. Um, and the home runs are what scored for both teams. Uh, keeping the guys in the yard, you know, and, and really from most of the year, Keith, it was about the Yankees hitting home runs and not giving up as many home runs. This is how you win. I, I understand it's not the old fashioned type of ball. And sometimes you get bat on the ball stuff like San Diego did, or like the Phillies did. Um, but it's still mostly um, home runs are going to win you games. And Cleveland found that out the other day.
4: Can we go back to call me Joe's uh, comment? Maybe Ryan can put it back on the uh, screen. Are, are we worried that Cleveland is warmed up after playing in the wild card and we could be cold with, a longer break they played in Ohio it's cold there and they look pretty cold to me I already mentioned they played 24 innings and scored three runs well 21 of those innings were scoreless I believe or uh 20 22 of them were scoreless I believe because that first game it was just the sixth inning and the second game it was the 15th inning the bottom of the 15th the top and bottom of the of the sixth in the first game so talk about being cold I think they're still cold. I don't think that they really, you know, they played a long time, but it wasn't like they played good baseball over a long time. It wasn't like we're looking at them like we're looking at the Mariners. I think the Mariners are warmed up. I think the Mariners are ready to go. I think the Mariners are ready to put bat to ball and throw innings. Um, I'm not really so worried about this uh, layoff or this time off. The, The Yankees have been doing their workout days. The Yankees, I think, are 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 going to be better for having the rest, right? They had a few guys, like Matt Carpenter gets an extra week to ice up or stem or do whatever he's doing, and uh, the Yankees have the opportunity to come in at home fully rested, ready to go, don't have to travel. We were rooting for them to play. I was saying, I don't care if you play 18 innings Saturday,
2: burn the whole bullpen, use every <laughs> right, arm you right, right. have, right, go right. for it, <laughs> And you were rooting for um, for Tampa Bay to win that game, weren't you? Yes, I was. Make it go free. (laughs) Yeah, I I think um, I I think it's a great point that, okay, they played two games, but what did they do? They didn't hit that really at all in those two games, you know, uh, outside of two home runs. So there's there's not um, a lot of. Uh, angst over facing a team that just came in, maybe saying scoring like eight or 10 runs in each of their games. And, and then you're coming in here. Uh, I think the, I think the better thing for the Yankees is you're not facing their, you know, Bieber or McKenzie in games one or two. And that's the other advantage that you're talking about. Okay. A team might have an advantage by playing and playing well and getting a little momentum, but they're coming in with at best their third starter. And that's a huge advantage to every team that had to buy.
4: Yeah. And I was going to say, like, this wild card round, it gets tricky. And the fact that we were locked out in the wild card round gets sandwiched between the final Wednesday of the season and then the DS. I like our chances. I've I've already liked our chances. But the way that it's set up where we play two games at home and we're not facing their one and two and we Mm -hmm. have our one and two must win games, in my opinion. And also the environment. Progressive field is not Yankee Stadium. Ohio is not New York City. There were some empty seats in Ohio. There were some people that left early because 15 innings in the cold is not it. (laughs) Um, I, I just know what Yankee Stadium is like. I've been in there for the postseason. It's been three years since we've had postseason baseball in the Bronx. It doesn't matter if it's Tuesday club going up on a Tuesday, they are going to be in the Bronx zoo. And if they're not ready for that, like they weren't ready in the beginning of the year where, um, you know, they had, uh, I can't think of his name now climbing the wall and center miles, straw, yeah, miles straw, yeah, miles, straw climbing the wall. And, uh, and Stephen Kwan running into the wall or not being like, it's going to be a lot on top of them if they're not ready to go Tuesday and Thursday. And the Yankees know what that is. You know, John Carlos Stanton came out and said, as soon as the anthem's over, it's the best environment in baseball. Yeah, home field advantage for real. So let's go. I'll see you all there.
2: I uh, I think it's intriguing to see how they come out offensively because we've talked about, you know, the Yankees having this layoff. And some different issues, you know, Aaron Judge had the monster season. It was a quiet finish because of how he was being pitched to. I wonder if this is how Cleveland goes after him again, saying, OK, let Glaber Torres beat you. Let Giancarlo Stanton beat you. Don't let Aaron Judge beat you. I mean, we've already talked about like what the what the Yankee strategy should be against Jose Ramirez. I wonder if Cleveland's going to do the same thing here, Keith.
4: Judge is going to be leading off, uh, I think. <laughs> If anyone is smart, I was watching Chris Young on MLB Network and he's like, after the season judge put together, no one is going to let him beat them in October. They're going to walk him. They're not going to pitch to him. They're not going to give him anything to hit. After the season that he just put together, you would be fools to go and try and challenge him in October. You know, he has shown if you throw the ball in the zone, he's going to hit it out. He's going to make you pay. So yes, it is going to be about the guys around him. I need a big run out of Anthony Rizzo. Josh Donaldson, if you have anything left, we need it now. We need to see it now. John Carlos Stanton, this is supposed to be your time of the year. You had a couple home runs these last few weeks that were big. We need that too. Glaber Torres, we've seen postseason Glaber and we started to see it in the late uh, ends of the second half. He slumped a little bit and then he came alive. I'm excited for the Yankees. A pinch hit from Matt Carpenter. We saw that. I saw Juan Yepes come in for the Cardinals. I know it didn't uh, end up helping them win but they took a 2-0 yeah. lead off a pinch hit mm-hmm. uh home run and that was giving me flashes like hey that could be Matt Carpenter in a big exactly. spot it yes. can't be just Judge Carius. he carried us this far he helped the Yankees get a first round bye but now it's about the entire team and we saw as it got weird in these last couple of weeks chasing 61 and 62 the rest of the team rose to the occasion Oswaldo Cabrera hitting the ball out uh Harrison Bader being a spark plug It's about everybody else around him getting it done, and I think they will.
2: You're listening to BXB. It's the Yankees podcast, Bronx baseball from Odyssey, WFAN. He's Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. We're previewing Yankees and Guardians game one coming up Tuesday night at Yankee Stadium in the ALDS. It is a best of five series Tuesday and Thursday, games one and two, with a Wednesday off day in between. That creates a little bit of a different scenario, too. Um, our first special guest had some technical problems. Keith, this happens. We're only on episode 10, I believe, right? But our second one is coming. Coming and I, I will we'll just keep going. And hopefully um, this is uh, this is what happens when you're going live and you don't have time to figure it out. You just keep moving on. And we're going to keep doing that. Hopefully in about 10 minutes, we'll have number 2 who We'll end up being number one and uh, we'll get that together. Uh, but want to remind you to subscribe and follow and leave reviews and tell everybody how much you like us and uh, pass it on to your friends. Uh, Anywhere you get your podcasts, you can catch us all throughout this Yankees postseason. Keith, the youngest team in major league baseball. I can't tell you how many times we heard that over the course of those two games against Tampa Bay, that the guardians of the youngest team, that the youngest team. It could work two ways. Okay, maybe they don't know where they are on Tuesday night with 47,000 screaming Yankees fans or it could be like, "Oh wow. This is what it's like, huh?"
4: They're going to know. They're baseball fans <laughs> and I watch them. Like they have a I can't remember his name now. Uh, they have a guy that's playing that played a lot of this year in I think he was DH for them. They have a guy that that was playing in Triple A who's getting quality at bats, left-handed left-handed bat. I can't think of his name now, of course, but they're baseball guys. They had they did play here earlier in in the year, Mm -hmm. and we didn't forget. I was telling people on Twitter, "Hey, we need some guys showing up in the (laughs) left field bleachers dressed as Spider Man." The fans were chanting
2: "Spider Man, Spider Man" at Miles Strong (laughs) climbing the wall. But but what they did in right center at the end of the game was wrong too. Like, well, yeah, what 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 ended
4: up coming out of like two o two, the beer cans being thrown. That's. It's not the bleacher creatures at all. None of us would even think about throwing something on the field. That's how you get banned for life, and we love the stadium too much. Uh, clean that up. I-, I hope to not see any of that. But I clearly could tell that the Yankees fans were in their heads. That's why I said it is not progressive field. It is not Ohio. This is the main stage. And these young guys that some of them were playing in AAA this year, when they get in there and they see how it's rocking and the lights are flickering – and the fans are, like, not taking a single pitch off. You're hearing it in the outfield the entire game. Welcome to the jungle. And that is part of the Yankees' advantage. That is part of what makes Yankee Stadium a special place in October. Ghosts will be activated. And let's see if they can play. We saw – I'll always remember this. DJ LeMay, you dropped a pop-up in 2019. And 2019 was a year that he was looking like an MVP. Mm-hmm. And he said in the post game, yeah. Actually, like the lights were brighter like that had he needed that to happen so he could get in the game. He dropped. the. I think he was playing first uh, and he dropped the pop up. Maybe he's playing second. I remember he's on the left side of, of the infield. And and you didn't expect that to happen. But that's the type of things that can happen in there because it's a raucous environment. So let's go. I'm I'm so excited to see it. I've been to 40 plus games this year. I've been dreaming of October baseball since game four of the ALCS in 2019. I don't think I went to game five when Hicks uh, hit the home run. It's time to bring it back.
2: Yeah. And uh, I think everybody's looking forward to it. The extra little layoff here is kind of interesting. um, I think for fans too, Keith, right? Like you had, you had five days to sit and watch everybody else and say, Hey, now it's our turn. And the weather's getting a little bit crisper. You know uh, it's just, yeah. I mean, break out the hoodies, break out the hats. Uh, Remember. And if you're going to the games, they are both 7.30 starts on Tuesday and Thursday with gates opening at 5 o'clock. We have coverage all day on WFAN, and our you know, official pregame, I believe, would be 6.55 with John and Susan. Keith will tell you something cool, and uh, we'll get ourselves going and uh, wrap everything up with postgame coverage on FAN as well. Tuesday, Game 1. Thursday, Game 2. That Wednesday off day is... This goes back to my script for game one, Keith, because if you can get Cole as far as he can go and Lawise is good for two innings, let's say that leaves you with a full cupboard for Thursday's game two and an off day after that games, three, four, and five are consecutive without a travel day, without a day off. But you have the ability. If you have some issues in the bullpen, like the Yankees kind of do, you have the ability to really lock down those first two games the way the uh the off day schedule lines up
4: yeah I don't need a Monday game five in the Bronx like Mm. I said they should take Tuesday and Thursday and then I understand if they drop the first one in Cleveland but then take the second one Sunday and be done with it it is it is lined up so well for the Yankees uh it will just be if they don't if they don't win this first round and they come out cold it'll be an ultimate collapse and it'll be a disappointment but I just don't see that these guys have so much going for them in there. Like they have so much talent. Um, it's, it's veterans versus young guys. I think it's going to play. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I, I don't know. I, I hear a lot of fans saying, you know, obviously cause it's, it's New York and we've watched the Mets be eliminated. They're like, mm-hmm. Oh, wait till it happens to you. And I'm just like, okay, we'll wait. I just don't, I don't know if it's going to happen in that first round, the guardians, are the guardians first year. They call them the guardians. They're supposed to come beat the big, bad Yankees in New York. I just, I don't see it.
2: It's um. listen. Everything is a pothole in October. Okay. You can't take anything for granted. That said, I've had people, you know, people around the league text me and tell me, listen, the, there's no way the Yankees are getting taken out by Cleveland. You know, Cleveland's already you think about it, they were basically a 500 team for much of this season. They had a great September to blow out the rest of the competition in the central, which wasn't very competitive. And the Yankees went through the American League East, which was extremely competitive. Um, and they had to maneuver through that. They got through a period without, uh, with some big injuries. And the reinforcements now to the roster, the way the roster is shuffled, you're now looking at. Carpenter and Lemayhu as probably both bench players the way this <laughs> roster is currently set up.
4: Like an embarrassment of riches, I don't think anybody drew it up that way going into this season. If somebody would have told you coming out of spring training the Yankees would get to October and you know their bench bats would be Matt Carpenter who was nowhere near the team or DJ LeMayu, who has a six year ninety million dollar contract, those guys would be on the bench, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera. Talking about young guys. Uh, I don't think the lights will be too bright for him. I think this guy got comfortable. I think he is show ready. He is pro. Um, I don't know. There's nobody that I'm looking at, really, besides Garrett Cole um, that I'm worried about. I don't expect to see Aaron Hicks in there. Uh, Josh Donaldson, I think, is a gamer, right? I think he's going to show up knowing, hey, this is October. I've been here before. I'm 36 years old. Uh, This is what they brought me here for and paid me for. I got to have a big moment. He has had a flair for the big moment. Um, Aaron Judge, you don't have to talk about. Uh, Don Carlos Stanton, you don't have to talk about. These guys have been here before. And I think the biggest thing about these Yankees right now is there are guys that have felt that pain that were eliminated last year, that were eliminated in 2018 by the Red Sox, 2017 by the Astros, 2015 by the Astros. Like those guys can build off of that experience they're hungry they know this is the year right the people talking about judge and his contract and where he's going to go what he's going to do hey well brian cashman came out and, and reiterated it he made sure he said it loud and clear he wants aaron judge to be they want to retain him of course well you know what would help a run to the world series and winning one it's going to be hard to leave new york if you have a a parade and uh, it's not that far away, fellas. It is not that far away. With this new format, you you win uh, three games out of five here against the Guardians. And then you got to face your arch nemesis, the Houston Astros, who, of course, I want to face. And let's not guarantee them either. The team of destiny is going there to face Houston. And they're familiar with them. I like what the Mariners did knocking out the Blue Jays, right? Uh, this is going to be so much fun.
2: That was pretty incredible to uh, to see Seattle do what they did, especially with the uh, you know with the comeback in Game Two when you're down by a bunch of runs and uh, that and you know this is what's great about postseason. We're gonna do the same thing. I think we saw a lot of it in the San Diego Met series too, where you question certain moves. Uh, Gosman coming out in Game Two, you know, I, it was it was you know, there were people already questioning that, but then what happened after that really set everything spiraling in an entirely different direction it was craziness and i don't think you know we need to pre- we need to be prepared for the fact that there is a real good possibility for craziness you know whether it's Cole pitching great or Cole imploding whether it's uh, a bullpen performance of the guys that you trust and there i know there's fewer of those but you know Holmes Loisaga, uh any of these guys that you're really hoping can um, can be locked down guys. You just don't know. Um, and I think that's the, um, you know, that's the brilliant part about watching a postseason game and just not knowing you can go, you're going to have to be prepared to go off script. Hey. And there's our guest today. So we welcome in Ron Darling and let me promote this properly. Ron is calling the series for TBS, your exclusive home for the 2022 ALDS and ALCS. Ron will be calling the uh, Cleveland Yankees series along with Bob Costas and Lauren Shahadi. The Houston Seattle series will be called by Brian Anderson, Jeff Francoeur and Matt Weiner. And a friend of the program, friend of uh, all of us, Keith, MLB Network colleague as well, Mm -hmm. Ron Darling. Ronnie, thanks for joining us. Welcome this morning. How are you?
5: I'm doing great uh thanks um luckily most of the things I do are live so that's a good thing so uh, great to see you you guys this morning
2: yeah thanks for joining us man hey listen first of all we've got a big series coming up right um your early impressions watching Cleveland for a couple of days and what you know about the Yankees because I know you've seen some of their games this year too
5: yeah I've seen Cleveland about a half dozen times this year and uh and then watching them of course in their series in Tampa Bay there wasn't a lot to see right um both teams that could not hit, uh, but you've been always impressed by Cleveland's uh, ability this year to kind of figure it out. You know, they they just win, you know, somehow, some way, whether it's a defensive play, uh, whether it's a stolen base, uh, whether it's a key base hit. Uh, but their pitching is always there. Their defense is always there. Um, so we have a, know, a real David Goliath kind of thing working, don't we? Yeah. I still didn't finish my my thought with the with the Guardians and the and the
4: Yankees, and I'll keep that quick. What I think is there's going to be less thinking about what to do with the Yankee starters, right? Garrett Cole is a is a workhorse. you you're, you're going to let Garrett Cole go, even if he gives up a couple sh- solo shots. It's the first game. You're trying to get him into the seventh inning. Nestor Cortez, we've seen a shorter leash on, but it's the postseason. If he's competing, which we all know him as a competitor, you let him compete. And uh, I don't think there's going to be a script. Like I felt like. With Quintana uh, in that first game with the Cardinals, I remember going to look. I think he he pitched into the fifth inning, and he was at 75 pitches, and they were just ready to go to the bullpen. And I'm like, this is a guy that, you know, in the game one, maybe you let him go a little bit longer, and you don't have so much of a script. Um, all right, now I lost my training. No, 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 no. Keith,
5: I got you. I'd like to add add to that. I think you're spot on with all of this stuff. It wasn't only a Quintana. Remember Gossman? Uh, Gossman, Gossman, too. Toronto. Had a really nice start, and uh, he was taken out with 80-something pitches. So I think what happens is that baseball, which is a sport that people love to copy, you know? Okay, something's going on. This is what we're going to do. And p- p- past postseasons, we've seen managers play really close to the vest, guys play, uh, pitching unbelievable as a starter. Four innings, he's out of there. Let's get to someone else. The Dodgers do this probably better than anyone, right? But – That's not how this one is running, I don't think. I think this one is running where you're going to have to maximize, especially with the lack of days off. You're going to have to maximize the guys that are starting for you. You're going to have to live with them. You're going to have to try to get 21 outs from them, and then you're going to have to hit the ball out of the ballpark. I mean, that's kind of where we're at uh, with the 2022 postseason. So, Keith, you're spot on. I I think that the managers who don't realize quickly enough that – We've got seven pitchers we want to pitch, right? You you have a twelve man staff, whatever, but there's only seven guys out of the twelve that you really want to pitch. Yeah. Those guys, if they get the most innings, they're going to give their team the best chance.
2: Garrett Cole gets the ball in game one. Uh, Ron, he's been a guy who's struggled with the long ball. You talked about hitting home runs, and I mentioned this at the top of the show with Keith. I said, you know, kind of what you're talking about about stretching guys. Uh, as far as far as as you can i think perfect script for the yankees in game one is hit a couple of home runs garrett cole goes seven innings jonathan lewisago goes two. the yankees have had some bullpen issues and then you're set for after day off to reset your bullpen again i think that's a script for game one um how do i mean i would think that would work pretty well if you told aaron boone that but cole and his penchant for the long ball has been a bigger problem this year what do you think
5: uh, well, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, he's had uh, what, uh, I think I did two starts where he gave up three home runs uh, in mm-hmm. the start. So, um, but this is the the great foil for him, right? He's facing the Cleveland Guardians, who are a team that uh, does not have tons and tons of power. Uh, so that should help. Um, you know, it, it's just, to me, when I watch Garrett pitch, and, you know, he is as good as it gets in the game, as far as stuff, competitive, competitive. Um, he always reminds me of the guy because I'm like this a little bit myself. Like you start a crossword puzzle and you make a mistake early in pen and you throw it away. I want to, I need a new I need a new paper. I got to redo it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think he just is such a perfectionist that um, that when things don't go really well early, I think it, you know it's not hard for him to rebound because he still will pitch uh, effectively. But um, you know from pitch one, I think it's important for him to get off to that three inning four-inning kind of role, where he gets that train kind of rolling. And when he has uh, when he has that kind of early effort, you see the the magical games that uh, he's had. And he's had a half dozen of those for the Yankees this year. So, I mean, a, a lot to be said about New York,
4: right, and the home field advantage. And uh, I, I can't stay away from asking you about the Mets, right? And yeah. the Mets, we saw their attendance. I think it went 41,000, 42,000, 39,000. Um, It dipped in the in the last game, but uh, we're expecting it to be sold out at Yankee Stadium. I don't think they sold out in Queens. Uh, You've played in New York. You know what this time of the year is like. Uh, Can you speak to the home field advantage? Like, I think that's going to be big. I think playing in progressive field in Ohio, they played these day games. These last two games, it's going to be a completely different environment in New York. We spoke to how young these players are on Cleveland. This is going to be the craziest environment some of them have ever played in. What are your thoughts on the home field advantage
5: in Yankee Stadium coming up? Yeah, that, that's a, a great point. You know, not only are a lot of them new to the postseason, but a lot of them are new to uh, the experience of playing uh, with the ghosts of, of Yankee Stadium. That that certainly is going to be something they're going to have to deal with. Um, you know, 100 different media members in their locker room when they get there today. Um, it's all those things that small market uh, teams don't have to deal with um sometimes though, you can be so young and naive that it doesn't affect you because you don't even think about it right you're just so running around and just really happy and all those kind of things um the the mess first um this is my opinion and i could be wrong um so i bought the strips for postseason um games and it was very dear very expensive i i think that major league baseball really has to do some thinking about um what is being charged for these postseason games? I think the the, the tickets are at a place where um, even if you have some money, you look at it and go, "Really? Wow, that's serious commitment to uh, the month of October." Um, so I I think that's why sometimes you're not seeing the numbers of people, at least in Queens. Now, Yankee Stadium is going to be different. It'll be packed. It's always packed. They're used to October baseball. I mean, when they when they, when fans start a season for the Yankees. It's not a six-month season. It's always a seventh-month season. They just know that uh, yeah. there's going to be games, and um, it'll be raucous. Um, I think the crowds in the Bronx—you uh, know—it's one of the things I look forward to when I do postseason games in the Bronx. It's just—it's a whole different, different atmosphere. It's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's something you have to wrap your brain around if you're an athlete.
2: Ron, I'm interested in your take on on kind of the pitching situation here for the Yankees. They've had bullpen issues, which is new for the Yankees um usually that's the surest part of their game and this year it's not now it's not unique if you look at the last like five or six world series champions they've all had some sort of bullpen issues that they iron out along the way maybe even not until october but the yankees biggest issue it feels like keith or sorry ron it's it's always i'm talking to you keith and i'm talking to ron yeah. it's like um it's like i'm gary i'm here with keith and ron um i, I feel like um the Yankees' biggest issue is they don't have a lot of strikeout guys. They don't have a lot of swing and miss in their bullpen. Mm-hmm. And Cleveland is a team that doesn't swing. You know, they're, they're a contact team. Is this a potential pothole for the Yankees in a close game?
5: Well, you know, it, it always is. I think that every team that comes into the postseason, that's why they spend so much time on their roster. They're trying to figure out what guys they want to bring. It's not usually the players. It's the pitchers. They're trying to figure out who are the, going to be the best matchups. Um, yes, Cleveland uh, did something historic on Saturday afternoon with that with that win, one nothing, and what their relievers did and how far they were pushed and, and all of that. Um, the Yankees, let's start first. Uh, they had an amazing bullpen to start the season. Injuries took a lot of that away, right? So they've had to re, really reconfigure it. The Chapman news is certainly um, – um, I don't know if it's not going to help or whatever. I did uh, two series – with the Yankees this year where Boone had him in the bullpen and didn't even use him uh, late in games. So he was reluctant um, much of the season to even go to a role. This. So um, it might give them a different body that he has more confidence in. Um, I think Holmes is going to have to sh- like be more like the Holmes in the first two months where, I mean, if you were watching the Yankees and you were watching Holmes pitch, you're like, this guy is almost unhittable. And if you hit it, it's going to be softly and on the ground. I think he has to be uh, more of that version of himself. Um, uh, I think Luizka is the the wild card for me. Uh, I think he's the most talented guy in the bullpen. Um, I think he can, you know, go uh, multiple innings, uh, which is important. I think, but um, you know, if Boone gets uh, this team to the World Series, it'll be because he's done one of the greatest, I think, uh, jobs of managing uh, a bullpen because they're they they have a lot of arms. They have a lot of good arms. Um, but not the traditional arms that you see in Yankees bullpens. That when they come in, the game's over. Um, so th- that's uh, again back to what Keith said before. I think uh, you're going to have to let Cortez go. You're going to have to all of a sudden push Severino and say, "Okay, we put you on the 60-day disabled list. You didn't like it, but we did it because now that you're back, we're going to ask more of you than has ever been asked." And the same with Cole.
4: So, I mean, there's been a lot of conversation about oh, you know, the local broadcast team should get to call the games. Uh, you know, these, you know, I, I, I don't mind this, right? I, I understand the business of baseball and these networks and, like, the wild card round being on ESPN and the bidding for that and and these contracts and these deals. And I also understand that you're not going to get that luxury. Like, you get home field advantage. You don't also get your home broadcast crew calling the game. The visiting team is also tuned in, and so is the whole country. Um, we got to hear Michael K call the Cardinals series, which was awesome for us as Yankees fans. Cause we're getting his signature. C A call out there for those guys. What are your thoughts on, on calling these games and different broadcasters being on different games? I think it's good for the game.
5: I don't think it's a negative. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that um, I, I'm, you know, being a local broadcaster as well. I'm hip to uh, how fans feel because when you fall in love with your team over the summer, You fall in love with the broadcasters, too. And, you know, their syntax, you know, the way they roll, what they say, how they say it. Are they being serious or are they taking a shot? You know, all the different things that the local broadcasters will do for the Yankees in an historic year that they had this year. Boy, there was a, a flare up because Michael Kay might not get the call number 61 or 62. I understand all of that as well. I mean, look at Danny McLaughlin out in St. Louis. He didn't get the call 699 mm-hmm. and 700. What a shame uh, that happened. That being said, um, you know, when you come in to do these broadcasts and they're postseason and we know the mechanics and the business of all that kind of stuff, I just um, I just think that as broadcasters, you do your thing. Um, you want someone that's down the middle, I think, for these broadcasts because if they came off um, – uh, with any kind of slant to it, then that would be criticized as well, and that's all right too. Criticism is is part of this job. Uh, but I think I go into this game knowing that before the game I'll talk to uh, John and Susan, which I love to do. They have insights that I don't know about. I will t- certainly talk to David Cohn who's been a really good friend of mine, who'll be able to clue me into. There you go, right? John and Susan. Hey, John and Susan There you go. There we go. The Yankees. Then you win. can
2: trade one of the Gary, Keith, and Ron bobbleheads for, for <laughs> That'd
5: be awesome. And then, and then uh, David Cohn is one of my dear friends. Um, you know, local broadcasters know things that I would never know because they've watched that team all year. So you try to tap into all the resources and all the strengths that the Yankees have in their broadcasting team to help you know something that maybe you won't know uh, through your research.
2: Uh, Rana, I don't want to make the, I, I'm going to leave Shohei Otani out of this debate, but I think you're going to sure. have two guys in the series who are going to be one and three in the MVP race, right? You've got Aaron judge. You've got Jose Ramirez. These are the guys who each team is going to say, don't let him beat us. Now the Yankees have kind of gotten used to this in the last few weeks where Gleyber Torres has really benefited in September uh, with RBI opportunities and cash them in Giancarlo Stanton started to get hot again in the last couple of days of the season um, so the Yankees have a little bit of experience with this. For Cleveland, is it as simple as avoiding letting Jose Ramirez beat you?
5: Uh, I don't think it's as simple as that um, because uh, they have a lot of different pieces and they don't strike out. They make contact. So you're going to have to play defense. You have to do all those little things. Yeah. Um, but I will tell you that the Cleveland people feel like Ramirez, maybe not with 62 on runs, but every time they need a big hit. They get it from Ramirez. That's how that team feels about that player. Uh, and, boy, you know, he's been a top-five MVP guy for, what, five, six years now? Yeah. So uh, it's nothing new. The Yankee fans feel the same way uh, about Aaron. You know, and, and if he didn't go to center field, if he didn't uh, hit leadoff, if he, if he didn't hit those home runs, many of them so meaningful during the course of the summer, maybe they're not where they're at right now. So both teams feel that way. I, I, I don't think it's – you know, at some point you're going to have to pitch – Um, To these batters, I think what you're going to see, though, you might see stuff late in the game that you wouldn't ever see. Um, For example, in Toronto, John Schneider, their manager, runners at first and second, ended up blocking Judge, right? Um, With two outs to load the bases, even though the runners were on first and second, empty base third. He loaded the bases because he didn't want to face Judge. I think you're going to see some of that kind of stuff uh, to Judge and to Ramirez uh, in this series because it just... um, no manager and no pitcher uh, wants to face those pitchers when the, uh, with those hitters when the game's on the line. I think you'll see that. You can't let those guys beat you. you we just were talking about
4: that. We don't expect Judge to be pitched to. We don't expect uh, Ramirez to be pitched to. I'm glad you mentioned the defense, though, right? The Yankees improved their defense this season. And uh, the, the Guardians play good defense. The Mariners play good defense. Like, postseason teams are, are good defensive teams. They save runs. Um, I think the advantage the Yankees are going to have is Yankee Stadium, the dimensions of Yankee Stadium, playing defense. But um, who do you think can be one game breaker? Who do you think from either side, the Yankees or uh, the Guardians? Who do you think can just rise above of all this stuff and just be the guy that is is a hero or um, you know makes his name known? i I'm, I'm I'll give you one. I'm looking okay. at Oswaldo Cabrera. Season the yeah. moment. He's a guy that is young, and he's they talk about how young the Guardians are. He's so young. I don't think he understands how big it is. And he's had some big moments down the stretch.
5: I think he could be a game breaker. Uh, uh, That's a great choice. So I'll stay away from him. I love that player, by the way. I I love watching him play. I love the energy that he brings. And I think he was vital uh, down the stretch uh, when the Yankees were trying to figure out if they were going to finish off the division. Um, I think he was vital uh, to that team and and the life that he brought. I'll go with uh, I'll go with one player and I'll go with one group. Uh, The Guardians, I'm going to go with uh, Andres Jimenez at second base. Um, He's a shortstop who plays second base. He's an athlete. He does a couple of things incredibly well, um, not only defensively um, on the ground balls at second base, but he can go out and catch fly balls in the middle of nowhere. He's that talented. I think he's going to make a difference defensively for that ball club. And for the Yankees, I think because of Cleveland's style of play, The group of, and I don't know who's going to be playing, whether Aaron Hicks is going to be playing, you know, Judge right field, center field, Cabrera right field, whatever grouping they have. The grouping of Yankee outfielders with the Guardians trying to run around the bases and their accuracy and strength of arm could play a big part in this series. Uh, I saw Hicks, uh, you know, we know how Hicks can throw. I know he's had a challenging year. Um, but he seemed to be coming out of it a little bit there at the end. If he gets a start, no one throws better than him in the, in the game. Um, Aaron is as accurate uh, as a as judge and strong arm as there is in the game. Cabrera, um, all he did was throw people out when he came up, uh, playing right field, a position he's not that familiar with. So strength of arm, accuracy of arm with New York Yankee outfielders could play a big part in the series.
2: Ron, last one for me here. Uh, well, actually, I got one more, but um – The managers here. Sorry. Uh, Terry Francona is going to go to the Hall of Fame. I think we all agree, right, with his resume going from Boston to Cleveland. Uh, Aaron Boone has had a lot of very good teams, has yet to make it out of the ALCS. Um, This is, you know, it's not a three game series, but a five game series is a short series. Is there any sort of advantage to Terry Francona having been through these wars and winning more postseason series than Boone has as manager?
5: But both you guys brought up, uh, you know, playing in Yankee Stadium is going to be something they're going to have to contend with. Who better than Terry Francona to be able to deliver a message yeah. to a young yeah. uh, group of players about what it's like to play here? Um, I'm sure he's going to have that that moment from uh, uh, from the. The basketball movie, I don't know why, like a Hoosiers. A Hoosiers, where, you know, yeah. Hoop and say it's still 10 feet here like it is, you know, at any that other. Is this. Uh,
2: this is a Hoosiers poster on my oh, wall right here.
5: That's I Hoosiers. he's going to have a Ho- Hoosier moment with his team where he says, hey, listen, still 90 feet, you know, all those kind of things um, to get his team relaxed. Who better than Francona? Um, and I think his in-game managerial style and bullpen um, efficiency, the way he used to bullpen, I don't know. He might be without Pierre. I mean, that's as good as he's been uh, over his career. And I think for Aaron, you know, Aaron's stuck in such a a difficult spot. He's almost in the Garrett Cole spot. Garrett Cole's making all this money, right? So he's got to be perfect every single time he pitches. And when he pitches in the postseason, he's got to be more than perfect. So, you know, he gets the – that's what mantle he has to live with, right? And with Aaron Boone, he's the manager of the New York Yankees. So if you're the manager of the New York Yankees, It's World Series or bust, man. You know, there's no other way to go. And and those are hard things to deal with. But both of them knew signing and being the manager or being the the top ace of this team brings that with it. So uh, I think sometimes we tend to overlook how strong Aaron's been, how good he's been over the course of the first, what, five years now. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he's managed through some tough spots. That being said, I think... um, the the focus uh on these two managers one is francona ever going to manage again this might be his last post you know he yeah. might take it to the house after this um and aaron boone you know can he he can he satisfy uh, uh those that watch um and and deliver a postseason that you'll remember forever i think that's what i'm going to look at as i watch these uh these two managers, one with so much experience and one trying, I would think Aaron Boone at the end of his managerial career, if they compared him to Terry Francona, he would be very, very happy.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Keith, you got one more here before we let Ronnie go?
5: I'll let you run your second question. Go for <laughs> okay.
2: it. Well, listen, I, I, this is awesome because I think Sweeney Keith and Ron is actually fantastic along just like Gary Keith and Ron, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like one one A. um, Ronnie, we just watched the Mets lose a three game series to the Padres. So even though this is a Yankees podcast, I want to get your thoughts on this real quick. Um, you know, they, they they had two great pitchers, one who gave a bunch of home runs in game one, another one who staved off elimination. Uh, they had an offense that just never got it going. Um, you know, you watch the Mets all year long. I know it's disappointing to a lot of people. What are your thoughts watching that series end the way that it did?
5: Well, um, you know, a lot of times in the course of a season, you kind of have those moments where um, you, you just decide that if we get to a position where this happens, then we're all good. It's, it's going to be great. And I think what the Mets got into, they got into a position in Atlanta the last weekend of the series, uh, season, and of course against the Padres, where they had, you know, in whatever order, Scherzer, DeGrom, Bassett, DeGrom, Scherzer, whatever it is. They had those three pitchers. And they figured is if they're in that position, that puts them in a perfect place. So against Atlanta, i want to read these numbers. Against Atlanta, those three pitched 14 to third innings, 17 hits allowed, six home runs, ERA close to seven. Against the Padres, 14 and two-thirds innings. That's three pitchers now, 14 and two-thirds innings, 15 hits, five home runs, ERA seven and a half. So when you're looking – and what happened is that on the biggest um, stage, when they needed it most, um, their three best pitchers couldn't deliver the way they wanted to, team wanted to, fan base wanted to. It's very simple, right? Um, that being said, it was a joy watching this team play all year. They were fun. Um, they were a good group. Um, uh, the pitching, was, I mean, it was just a really fun with a lot of great storylines. It was great. Team to watch, and I feel sad for them because this is the reality: the postseason is that watch what you wish for, because here you are, and you're in the middle of it, and this is a chance to really shine. And the next yeah. thing you know, you got a tea time today at 10 a.m. You know, so um, it's a it's a hard game. And I think Max Scherzer said it best: you know, it's the highest of highs, and then occasionally you have a team that's going to have the lowest of lows. And I think that's where the Mets are today.
2: Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I think I heard Gary say last night on SNY, you know, it reminded him of 1988. It was such a tough loss. But the thing about 88 was that team had won a World Series and it felt like the end of something. This feels yeah. more like the beginning of something.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I know that Lois of lows from 1988. So I know how bad it can yeah. be. And when people say the sun will come up tomorrow. Um, Not for the Mets today, maybe tomorrow, maybe Saturday, maybe Sunday. It's not coming up today.
2: All right. That's Ron Darling. Remember, you can He's keep <laughs> crying some tears. You know, he's letting his fans <laughs> come out. That's it. Um, we will uh, We will be watching Ron along with Bob Costas and Lauren Shahadi on the Yankees-Guardians series Tuesday night, Thursday night, 7.30, first pitch in the Bronx. TBS is the exclusive home to the 2022 ALDS and ALCS. So if they continue on, if the Yankees move on, Ronnie, maybe we'll break that down with you again in the next round. Uh, Brian Anderson, Jeff Francoeur and matt weiner had the houston seattle series for tbs as well ronnie thanks so much for the time this morning and uh i'll we'll you know we'll see you at the ballpark
5: all right sweeney keith thanks so much appreciate it good talking to you
2: all right that's ron darling and uh keith nobody breaks it down better than him and um you know you're right look forward to seeing these guys call a game you and i will be there um, and I guess we're going to come back after game two and uh, break down the first two games for you and maybe another guest or two along the way here as well. Um, So, I, listen, there's not a whole lot else left to say except play it on the field and kind of see what happens. This is the exciting time of year, right?
4: This is the best. Uh, it's just fun. Uh, you know, like I just laughed there. <laughs> uh the Mets fans got to understand that, like, this is part of it, right? You you wanted to walk the walk and talk the talk and, and be the kings of New York. Well, someone's coming for you. And, uh, you know, just how you thought you had it lined up with Scherzer, DeGrom, and Bassett, it didn't work out back-to-back weekends with the Braves and the Padres. It, it doesn't always work out how you have it scripted. It doesn't always go as people have on paper. And that's the beauty of it. You got to win the games. You got to play the games. And there's good guys on both sides. So what we're hoping as Yankees fans, right, they earned a first round by they have home field advantage. They should be able to beat the Guardians in this series, but they could fold too. anything can happen. You need to be at your best in October. And that's what makes it so much fun. These are the best of the best. You know, the Royals don't sneak in. Uh, You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like The Reds are not going to be on anyone's TV screen. These are all the marquee names and pitchers and players that we all know and that we've all seen. And this is the dance. This is the tournament. It was a great weekend so far. Expected to be a great week. It's different than we've seen before. But uh, I expect it to be a a fun time at the ballpark this week. And uh, we'll see how far the Yankees can go. They have to challenge. They know. They know how much is riding on this year with what Aaron Judge did, what this team was able to do, even though they did not get to 100 wins, right, they, they had a successful season and they will be judged on what they do in October. So let's go. Let's get it. It is time. And uh, it's been too long since the Yankees have had postseason baseball in the Bronx. It's been even longer since the Yankees have been back to a World Series. Why can't it happen this year? It can.
2: I can't say it any better than that. He's Keith McPherson. I'm Sweeney Murdy. This is BXB Bronx baseball, the Yankees podcast from Odyssey and WFAN. Find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, follow. It's all free. Uh, Write some reviews, some nice ones if you can. And make sure you come back here. We've got you covered after game two of the ALDS Friday morning, right back here. Uh, And also we're on the socials all game long and on WFAN after the games as well. So make sure you follow on Twitter. He is at Keith underscore McPherson. I am at Yankees WFAN. Our producer is Ryan Chytester. Thank you to Ron Darling for jumping on board and helping us preview the series. We will find you again after game two. Thanks for listening.